Welcome to Zichru Dafsi Manu Rabbi Abraham Goldai and today we're Zichru's Beya Dab Beis, the first parak Beis Shalom to Biyantav. I want to welcome all the new members who have joined us here on Zichru and wish everybody continued at Tzlach as we now begin the eighth Masechta in this Daf Yomi Machzer Masechus Beya. So the three topics are going to focus on number one. The opening mission of Masechta states Beis Shalom to Biyantav Beis Shemay Omrim Teachel Beis Shalom Omrim Lo Teachel. Concerning an egg that was laid on Yantav, Beis Shemay say it may be eaten on Yantav, Beis Shalom say it may not be eaten. The Gemara asks, what type of hen are we dealing with? If we say the mission refers to a Tarnagozal Medesal Achila, a hen that was designated for consumption, what is Beis Hill's reason to forbid eating it? The egg is food that is separated from food, and so it's not muksa. And if we say that the mission refers to a Tarnagozal Medesal Gadol Beitzim, a hen that was designated to produce eggs, what is Beis Shammai's reason to permit eating and handling the egg? It's muksa. But Nachman said that the Mishnah refers to a hen that was designated a gadol basin to produce eggs. Udi Islay Muksa, Islay Noad. And the one who subscribes to a broad application of the laws of Muksa, referring to Rabbi Yehuda, subscribes also to the prohibition of Noad, while the one who rejects a broad application of Muksa laws, referring to Rabbi Shimon, also rejects the prohibition of Noad. Beishamai permit one to eat the egg because they hold like Rabbi Shimon who does not hold of Noad, whereas Beis Hillel forbid it because they hold like Rabbi Yehuda who does hold of Noad. Point number two is part of the analysis of Rabbi opinion. The Gemara explains that the Stam Tana in Masech Shabbos is Rabbi Shimon who does not hold a Muksa, whereas the Stam Tana in Beya is Rabbi Yehuda who holds a Muksa. The Gemara asks why Rabbi who formulated these anonymous Mishnayas formulated those in Shabbos more leniently like Rabbi Shimon, whereas those regarding Yantav he formulated according to the more stringent view of Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara answers, Shabbos the Chamir Velasi Lazuzulaba Sasamon Krabi Shimon Demeko. Regarding Shabbos, whose laws are more restrictive, and so people will not come to treat it disrespectfully, Rebbe formulated Stam Mishnah according to Rabbi Shimon, who is more lenient. Yantav de Kiel Velasi Lazuzulibe Sasamon Krabi Yehuda Demachmir. However, regarding Yantav, whose laws are somewhat more liberal, and so people will come to treat it disrespectfully, Rebbe formulated Stam Mishnah in accordance with Rebbe Yehuda, who is more stringent. In point number three, after the more successfully challenges Rav Nachman's interpretation of the Mishnah, it brings Rabba's explanation. Actually, it's with a hen that was designated for consumption, and is therefore not muksa. And we're discussing a case of an egg that was laid on Yantiv that fell after Shabbos, and Basil prohibits its consumption, Mishum Hachana, because of the principle of preparation. For Rabba holds that any egg laid today became fully formed inside the hen yesterday. And Rabba follows his own reasoning, for he said, That which is written, and it will be on the sixth day that they shall prepare the man which they bring, which teaches us that a weekday prepares for Shabbos and a weekday prepares for Yantav. But Yantav cannot prepare for Shabbos, nor can Shabbos prepare for Yantav. Basil therefore prohibit an egg laid on Yantav since its preparation occurred on Shabbos. So once again, the three points are number one. The opening mission of the Masechta states, Concerning an egg that was laid on Yantav, Beishamai say, it may be eaten on Yantav, Beishil say, it may not be eaten. The Gemara asks, what type of hen are we dealing with? If we say the mission refers to a Tarnagolas, a Medes Lachila, a hen, that was designated for consumption. What is Basil's reason to forbid eating it? The egg is food that is separated from food, and so it's not muksa. And if we say the mission refers to a Tarnagozo, and that was designated to produce eggs, what is Beishamai's reason to permit eating and handling the egg? It's muksa. Rav Nachman said that the mission refers to a hen that was designated to produce eggs, with the Islay Muksa, Islay Nolad, and the one who subscribes to a broad application of the laws of Muksa, referring to Rabbi Yehuda, subscribes also to the prohibition of Nolad, while the one 
who rejects a broad application of Muxa laws, referring to Rishimon, also rejects the prohibition of Nolad. Beishamai permit one to eat the egg because they hold a Rishimon who does not hold of Nolad, whereas Beishilo forbid it because they hold a Yehuda who does hold of Nolad. Point number two, as part of the analysis of Rabbi Nachman's opinion, the Gemara explains that the Stam Tana in Masech Shabbos is Rabbi Shimon, who does not hold a Muxa, whereas the Stam Tana in Bea is Rabbi Yehuda, who does hold a Muxa. The Gemara asks why Rabbi, who formulated these anonymous Mishnahis, formulated those in Shabbos more leniently, like Rabbi Shimon, whereas those regarding Yantavi formulated according to the more stringent view of Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara answers that Shabbos de Chamira, Velasi Regarding Shabbos, whose laws are more restrictive, and so people will not come to treat it disrespectfully, Rebbe formulated Stam Mishnah according to Rebbe Shimon, who is more lenient. However, regarding Yantav, whose laws are somewhat more liberal, and so people will come to treat it disrespectfully, Rebbe formulated Stam Mishnah according to Rebbe Yehuda, who is more stringent. And point number three, after the more successfully challenges Rav Nachman's interpretation of the Mishnah, it brings Rabba's explanation alone, but actually, it's with a hen that was designated for consumption, and is therefore not Muxa. And we're discussing a case of an egg that was laid on a yantav that fell after Shabbos, and basically prohibits its consumption, Mishim Chachana, because of the principle of preparation. Rabba holds that any leg laid today became fully formed inside the hen yesterday, and Rabba follows his own reasoning. For he said that which is written by Yabiyom and it will be on the sixth day that they shall prepare the man which they bring, which teaches us that a weekday prepares for Shabbos and a weekday prepares for Yantav, the ain Yantav Shabbos, Shabbos Yantav. But Yantav cannot prepare for Shabbos, nor can Shabbos prepare for Yantav. Beso therefore prohibit an egg laid on Yantav since its preparation occurred. On Shabbos. All right, so now we got our simmer dove bays, and our standard simon is a bias, a house. So here goes. The kids who were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantiv were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi who was more machmi on Yantiv that it was forbidden to eat since it had been prepared the day before on Shabbos. So once again, in slow motion. The kids were jumping for joy all over the house. House, that must be on dove bays. The kids were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantav, which reminds the opening mission of the Sech that states, Concerning an egg that was laid in Yantav, Beishamai say, it may be on Yantav, and Beishamai say, it may not be eaten. The Gemara asks, what type of hen are we dealing with? Rav Nachman said that the mission refers to a hen that was omenitzel gadol that was designated to produce eggs, and the one who subscribes to a broad application of the laws of Muxa, referring to Rebihuda, subscribes to also the prohibition of Nolad, while the one who rejects a broad application of Muxa laws, referring to Rebbe Shimon, also rejects a prohibition of Nolad. Beishamai permit one to eat the egg because they hold like Rebbe Shimon, who does not hold of Nolad, whereas Beishilah forbid it because they hold like Rebbe Yehuda, who does hold of Nolad. So the kids were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yante were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi who was more machmi on Yantav, which reminds the Gemara asks why Rebbe who formulated the Stam Mishnais formulated those in Shabbos more leniently, like Rebbe Shimon, whereas those regarding Yantav he formulated according to the more stringent view of Rebbe Yehuda. The Gemara answers regarding Shabbos whose laws are more restrictive and so people will not come to treat it disrespectfully. Rebbe formulated a Stam Mishnah according to Rebbe Shimon, who is more lenient. However, regarding Yantav whose laws are somewhat more liberal and so people will come to treat it disrespectfully, Rebbe formulated a Stam Mishnah according to Rebbe Yehuda, who is more stringent. So the kids who were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantav were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi who was more machmir on Yantiv that it was forbidden to eat since it had been prepared the day before 
on Shabbos, which reminds us, Rabbi's explanation of the Mishnah is that we're actually dealing with a Tarnagos of Medesachila, a hen that was designated for consumption and is therefore not muksa. And we're discussing a case of an egg that was laid on Yantav that fell after Shabbos, and Basila prohibits its consumption, Mishum Hachana, because of the principle of preparation. For Rabbi holds that any egg laid today became fully formed inside the end yesterday. And Rabbi follows his own reasoning, for he said, that which is written by Yabba Yomashishibe, Hino Yaviu, it will be on the sixth day that they shall prepare the man which they bring, which teaches us that a weekday prepares for Shabbos and a weekday prepares for Yantav, but Yantav cannot prepare for Shabbos, nor can Shabbos prepare for Yantav. Basil therefore prohibit an egg laid on Yantav since its preparation occurred on Shabbos. So once again, the kids were jumping for joy all over the house when they discovered that their hen laid an egg on Yantiv, were dismayed when they were told by an anonymous rabbi, who was more makmer on Yantiv, that it was forbidden to eat since it had been prepared the day before on Shabbos. All right, now it's time to go to our four-block back Hazara. Daphne Gimel. So the simmer Daphne Gimel is a Nigerian prince. So here goes. The Nigerian prince, Nigerian prince, that must be one Daph Nun Gimel. The Nigerian prince who was mourning the loss of his two scribes, which reminds Rabbi Yochanan said, A person's feet are his guarantors. To where he is summoned, there they lead him. Rashi explains that when one's time comes, his feet bring him to the place where he's meant to die. The Gemara brings the incident of Shlomo Melch, who tried unsuccessfully to save his two scribes from the Malchamavis when he sent them to lose. So the Nigerian prince who was mourning the loss of his two scribes, Overheard non-stop rejoicing in a shul that lasted for seven days straight, which reminds us it was taught in a brace where Bishub Mechananya said that when we rejoice at the Simcha's base of Shalabar, our eyes would see no sleep for all of Sukkot and proceeds to detail the activities that occurred from the beginning of the day through the night. The Gemara clarifies that Rabbi Shua meant that they did not enjoy a proper sleep, for they were only doze on each other's shoulders. So the Nigerian prince who was mourning the loss of his two scribes overheard non-stop rejoicing in a shul that lasted for seven days straight featuring a massive orchestra that played on 15 steps. Which reminds us, the Mishnah Daf Nun Aleph Amabe stated that during the Simcha's base of Shaleva, the Levim, with their countless number of instruments, stood on the 15 steps that led down from the Ezra Sisrael to the Ezra's Nashim, Kenega the Chamesh Yisrael Shira Maos, Kenega the 15 Shira Maos that are in Tehillim. The Gemara brings a source for the 15 Shira Maos when David and Melch was excavating the pits. Beneath the Mizbech, the waters of the deep came up, and threatened to flood the world. When David saw that the water had subsided to a depth of 16,000 amos after he had thrown a shard with Hashem's name on it, based on Achitofa's Kavokomer from the Sota, he said that the higher the water, the more moist and fertile the earth will be. So he recited the 15 Shiramalas and brought the water back up 15,000 amos until there were only 1,000 amos below the earth's surface. Dafnundal, so the simmer Dafnundal, it is noodles. So here goes. The noodle-loving king, noodle-loving king, that must be run Dafnundal. Noodles. The noodle-loving king who required his subjects to blow trumpets three times on the tenth step when they offered him noodles, which reminds us, the Gemara points out that the Mishnah on Duff, Nun Gimel base that listed the 48 blasts that took place every Shabbos during the Chag, mentions three blasts that took place by the Mizbeach, whereas the Mishnah on Duff, Nun base mentions the three blasts that were sounded when the trumpeters reached the tenth step. The Gemara explains that this Mishnah is Rabbi Yazib and Yaakov who holds that since the blowing was done at the gates, what relevance is there to blow on the tenth step? Therefore, the Mizbeach is adif, is preferable. And the previous Mishnah is Rabban who holds that since the blowing was for the water drawing, the tenth step is related to that, whereas the Mizbeach is not. 
So the noodle-loving king, who required his subjects to blow trumpets three times on the tenth step when they offered him noodles, and then blow nine times again for each additional offering, which reminds us, Rabbi Akhim Barchanin brings a brisa and a puzzle which he uses to base his ruling that nine blasts of the trumpets are done for each separate musaf. The moral brings several challenges to this ruling, attempting to show that on certain days it would result in more than the 48 maximum soundings of the chutzrotzrotz mentioned in the Mishnah. So the noodle-loving king who required his subjects to blow trumpets three times on the tenth step, when they offered him noodles, and then blow nine times again for each additional offering, changed the fast day schedule so he would never have to abstain from noodles on a Sunday. Which reminds us, the Gemara explains that when the first day of Sukkot is scheduled to fall on Erev Shabbos, we postpone it one day until Shabbos, since if the first day of Sukkot falls out on Erev Shabbos, then Yom Kippur would have been on the previous Sunday. In order to prevent that from happening, we add a day to Elul in order to postpone it one day. Rush explains that it's not desirable for Yom Kippur to fall Shabbos, since anyone dying on Shabbos would remain unburied for two days until after Yom Kippur. And furthermore, any vegetables that one prepares to eat after Yom Kippur will have to be picked two days earlier on Friday and will wilt by the time they're needed. The Gemara will bring the opinion of others who do not hold of adjusting the calendar to prevent Yom Kippur from falling on a Sunday. Daphnun Hay. So the Simran Daphnun Hay is a speed limit sign of 55. So here goes. The proud crossing guard holding the speed limit side speed limit sign, that must move on Duff Nun Hay. The proud crossing guard holding the speed limit sign, who would blow one long note on his whistle until all the additional animals crossed the road, which reminds us that after the more successfully refutes the ruling of Rabbi Yachim Barchini, who taught that a separate set of trumpet blasts are blown for each Musaf offering, it asks how to understand the Bryce and the Pusik that Rabbi Yachim Barchini brought as a source for his teaching. Rabbina said, The Bryce and the Pusik mean only that the blasts are lengthened, not that they are repeated. The Rabbanu Kasari has said in the name Rabbi Acha, The Bryce means to say that when there is more than one Musaf, we increase the number of trumpeters, but not the number of trumpet blasts. So the proud crossing guard holding the speed limit sign who would blow one long note on his whistle until all the additional animals crossed the road, gave up when he saw 70 bulls head toward him, which reminds us, which reminds us that the 70 bulls that are brought in sukkahs correspond to the Shivim Umos, the 70 nations, and they provide kapora for them in order that rain may fall throughout the world. The single bull of Shemir Yitzaris is Kenegad Uma Yechida. It corresponds to the singular nation of Israel. This can be compared to a king of flesh and blood who said to his servants to prepare for him a big banquet. When the final day of the banquet came, he said to his beloved companion, Prepare for me a small meal so they may enjoy your company. Rashi explains that it is as if to say that I derive pleasure from your company alone. So the proud crossing guard holding the speed limit sign, who would blow one long note on his whistle until all the additional animals crossed the road, gave up when he saw 70 bulls head toward him, guided by 24 ranchers who like to share meat equally on their holidays. Which reminds us, the next Mishnah states that during three periods of the year referring to the Regalim, all 24 Mishmaros were equal in the sharing of the Imurim of the Regalim and in the division of the Lachmapanim. It was taught in a bright that the Torah states, And he comes with all the desire of his soul, and he shall serve. This teaches that a cone may offer kabbanis even if it's not the week of his watch. To dispel the notion that this is even on other days of the year other than the Regalim, the Torah states, From one of your cities. I've only said all Mishmaras are equal when they enter one gate which is the time of their gone. During all other times, only Kohani of that week's watch are entitled to offer the Kabbanas. Daf Nun Vav. So the similar Daf Nun Vav is the Shushar and Shul going, Nu Nu, Nu Nu. So here goes. The Shushar and the Sukkah Shushar. That must be more on Daf Nun Vav, Nu Nu. 
The Shusha and the Sukkah shushed everyone down so they could hear the Shechianu before the Reisha Basukah, which reminds us of the Machoks regarding which takes precedence, the Baruch and the Sukkah, or the Shechian Rav says that one recites the Reisha Basukah because he holds the obligation of the day takes precedence. Whereas Rabbi Baruchana said that one recites the Shechianu first because he holds Tadir Shenu Tadir, Tadir Kodim, when that which is frequent conflicts with that which is not frequent, that which is frequent takes precedence. The more attempts to connect this Malchokas of the Malchokas between Meisham Beisilel, regarding which comes first when reciting Kiddush on Shabbos, the Brach on the one and the Brach on the day, but concludes that they're not necessarily the same Malchokas. So the Shushar and the Sukkah shushed everyone down so they could hear the Shechianu before the Reisha Basukah and insisted on getting one extra roll for closing the Sukkah door, which reminds us the final mission of the sect that brings the Malchokas regarding the division on the Lechem Panim the rest of the year. The Tanakhama holds that the incoming Mishmar and the outgoing Mishmar split the Lechem Panim equally, with each one receiving six loaves. Rabbi Yudah holds that the incoming Mishmar receives seven loaves and the outgoing Mishmar receives five loaves. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the two loaves are granted as Schar Hagafas Dlasos, as compensation for the closing of the temple gates in the evening, meaning that those who open the gates in the morning should have had the duty to complete the job and close them at night, since the incoming Mishmar is doing the work of the outgoing Mishmar it behooves the outgoing Mishmar to give one of their loaves in payment. So the Shusha and the Sukkah who shushed everyone down so they could hear the Shechianu before the Reishi Basukah and insisted on getting one extra roll for closing the Sukkah door was horrified when his little son told all the guests that people should stand in the presence of a Shusher. Which reminds us, two reasons are given as to why the Mishmar of Bilga was penalized and that it always divided the Lechem Panim in the south. Its specific ring that was used to shack the carbon during its watch was sealed, so they had to use another Mishmar's ring, and a specific alcove to deposit the knives was sealed. It was either due to an incident involving Miriam Bas Bilga, a daughter of one of its members who became an apostate, or it was because the Mishmar was tardy in coming to the base of Migdash when it was their week to serve. The Gemara asked on the first reason, if it's fair that the entire family be penalized over one daughter's action, and by answers that it is, as people say, Shusa Danuka Bashuka Odavu Odime. The utterances of a child in public express the views of either his father or mother. When the Gemara persists, and that's why the whole Mishmar should be penalized, by answers, Oila Rasha Oila Shcheno. Woe to the wicked one and woe to his neighbor. The Gemara concludes, conversely, it will be good for the tzaddik and good for his neighbor. All right, so that concludes today's year. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichu. Wish you a great day and great learning.